My name is David, but I am also known as the precise scribble on a piece of paper that you have long forgotten about. And hi, I'm I'm Johnny Bartlett, and I'm the little bit of ink you get on your finger when you refill your fountain pens. And we are the humble choice, the bu- bundle, bundle bu- oh, bourgeoisie. Bundle bourge- bourgeoisie, the bourgeoisie. I, we still don't know if we're yeah. keeping it. We still you haven't <laughs> changed it from last time. <laughs> you know, it's a mouthful. It's not cringy. It's just a mouthful. I think you're right. Yeah, no, we're getting we're getting rid of it. We're getting rid of it. Uh, the but I think maybe humble bundle bourgeoisie. How about that? I think I think just bundle bourgeoisie captures it pretty well, right? We don't we, we don't want to confine ourselves to the humble bundle, right? Like if 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 another we, we don't want to say that we're too too affiliated. Okay. Exact. If if another person comes up and wants to offer us a partnership for their bundles, then like we'll drop coverage on the humble bundle and go to your bundles. Okay. 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 Then then, then let's do it again. And and we are the bundle, the bundle bourgeoisie. Bourgeoisie. I'll sync that up in post. Editor Johnny here. I just want to say, I was not the one who made this obligation, so it will not be synced up. The Bundle Bourgeoisie! Never mind. That was easier than I expected it to be. So, to start off today, the first game is going to be Trine for the Nightmare Prince. Then Endless Space 2, which is 4 divided by 2, which is why we ordered them this way. (laughs) Then Valkyria Chronicles 4, Complete Edition, two fours. And then Outward... Then Valfaris. And finally, the Wild Eight, which is four times two. Baby. Mm. I can't. Oh, my God. It really is. We have, like, multiples all over the place with this one. <laughs> what is this? Ugh. Okay. Okay. Well, let's just get into the first multiple, then. Get into it. All right. Uh, Trine 4, developed by Frozen Bite, uh, is our first title that we're going to be talking about here. It is Trine 4, The Nightmare Prince. I should have put that there but oh well <laughs> it is uh frozen bite the developers they've also made uh shadow grounds which is a old kind of like uh top down uh rts i believe uh or not rts what am i trying to say uh, twin stick shooter shadwen has been heroes uh nine parchments and boreal blade which boreal blade is actually going to be coming in the bundle next month which this is the first time that we actually know the full lineup for next month so starbase is also in development right now which is a hybrid uh voxel vertex uh space mmo but boreal blade is also uh early access so it seems like they have just a lot going on as developers uh they were published by modus games who uh haven't done too much they the rock of ages three Bear With Me, which is a fun little uh, game that I did watch a friend play recently, and uh, it's like a point-and-click adventure game about a bear detective. Uh, and Super Animal Royale! <clears throat> Probably really fun. Uh, another entry, it, this right here, Trine, is uh, 
just a, it's another 2.5D fantasy co-op uh, platformer in the same entry as this like classic modern indie title. Uh, it's a weird oxymoron I just gave there, but it's true. Uh, it's for around one to four players, and it's physics-based with a cute and friendly yet gorgeously animated and rendered fairy tale aesthetic. It is just a joy to look at, and it runs great on my system, especially in comparison to a lot of other games that really try to push the the the, the graphical quality. Like this game runs great, and it like looks beautiful. Um, you play as one of three fairly typical uh archetypal fantasy characters either separately or all at once there i do want to make a note because you just kind of slipped this in uh this game is four player which i don't believe the other trines in the series have been four player up to this point they've all been three player is that true because the i the truth is and i should probably get into my history with the series i have spent the most time with trine one and so when i played this game most of my expectations kind of came from that game which has a lot of uh, jank still about like the physics and stuff. And this game sort of corrects all of that. But also in the first game, you could only ever play as like one of these characters at once. And this game sort of changes it up, allowing you to uh, choose like either the classic mode, you, you can only play as like one at a time, or you can switch between all three at once. And you can have up to four players, which is brand new to the series. You're right. I probably should mention that. <laughs> but I never played uh, much of Trine 2. I played it a little bit, and I didn't play Trine 3 at all. So that that's my experience going into this game. So the, the whole game is built around playing as these three main characters. The first one is this really heavy dude, a sword and shield wielding knight named Pontius. Uh, his thing is that he has a big old shield that can block projectiles, and you can also use it as a platform. And because of his sword, he's also just really good at combat. There's also my favorite character, the magical box conjuring wizard Amadeus. Uh, he's sort of like a reject wizard who can only summon boxes, which I love. Uh, <laughs> so he uses his boxes as temporary platforms. He can throw them in the air to hit enemies using them as falling objects, and he can also... Uh, levitate just about any object with limitations and eventually he gets upgrades where you can like even levitate enemies and stuff it's a lot of fun uh and then you the bow and arrow wielding thief zoya who in uh this playthrough that i played for nightmare prince uh guff played uh, a lot of this character uh, I, I always felt like I'm really bad as this character. I don't know why. I feel like I'm just bad at the rope mechanic. <laughs> but uh, her, her thing is that she... You were struggling with it in some parts. Yeah. <laughs> she can build makeshift bridges uh, using her ropes. Also swings and pulley systems. She can shoot arrows from afar and also like freeze and melt objects to make them stay in place. She's honestly like one of the most versatile characters in the entire game. Uh, just in terms of, like, movement and being able to, like, get around and solve puzzles. Um, they, they all, all together, they're, they're like this kind of goofy D&D &D party that, like, in the first game, it really doesn't make sense why they're traveling together. It's only really that, like, they arrived at this special artifact at the exact moment that they're frozen in, in this sort of, uh, destiny together and they can't, uh, leave each other's bodies and they're kind of interlocked with each other. And that, that was sort of the point of the original. So, like, if you're playing this game as a single-player character, then you can switch between all three characters at once, uh, and you can play it all as one person. But it's always better with another person, I think. 
uh, and like their their personalities used to be really at odds with each other, but now they're really friendly. I noticed in this game, they're just kind of old pals that they have this relationship dynamic of like 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 buddies from the war or something that like oh we're getting back together. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so the gameplay of this game is just the same as all the other trying games. If you've played them, then you pretty much know what to expect. You wander through a bunch of levels and uh, do puzzles and occasionally a little bit of combat. Uh, and you work together to solve, uh, you know, whatever comes at your way. There's usually many different possible solutions for you to be able to progress. And each hero is capable of traversing through the levels in sort of their own unique way and helping in their own unique way. Uh and sometimes, like, Pontius especially, he has to rely on, like, some of the other characters to, uh, proceed in order to, like, uh, you know, if you're, if you're on classic mode and, uh, you, you can't switch off of Pontius, then, then you have to sort of, like, oh man, how do we get all three characters across this ravine? And then that sort of becomes an extra puzzle in and of itself. So it incentivizes coming up with a bunch of creative solutions to these puzzles that are presented. You know, you can use like the the ice arrow to build a bridge or or maybe just use the the wizard's floaty thing or, you know, uh, I'm sure Pontius has some upgrades that we didn't even get to that like he could have uh done some really cool stuff and like solve puzzles in his own way. I mean his dash mechanic lets him clear a lot of gaps. Yeah, it's so it's true. His dash mechanic, which is one of his first upgrades, immediately makes him like one of the most powerful like movement characters just cuz he can jump across these large gaps and like also push objects to like break uh certain things like oh that was one mechanic he had like a like a like a patrick star battle for bikini bottom like toss the the thing and then like break the object mechanic uh and that was really useful in some areas where uh there was like secrets to be had uh my my favorite character though uh, amadeus i like him just because i consider him to be like the utility knife of video games where he's just so useful in almost every situation even though he's not great at combat he can still like if you know how to use him really get some enemies good with him, just bonking people on the head and uh he's also just really great at solving puzzles and uh, traversal if you know how to do like good jumping and stuff uh it's such a simple mechanic you know it's just it's just a box but but they explore the mechanics so thoroughly and so in depth that it's such a pleasure to play these games every time that they they arrive. Uh, so there is actually, and I'm pretty sure that this is why it was included in the bundle this time, a DLC available for the game that just released called uh, Trine for Melody of Mystery. Uh, it looks really cute. It adds this extra story where you're basically trying to save everyone at the Astral Academy who's locked in this enchanted slumber. So you get to go through a bunch of levels like based on people's dreams and stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of like really, really cool uh, enchanted scenery to look at. And my favorite in the trailer uh, was the ice cream level. I really want to play that one really bad. Looks worth the, the price of entry just for that ice cream level. <laughs> and uh, I think it was like eight dollars too. It's like a pretty reasonable price compared to the entry price of the game when you buy it on Steam, which is like thirty dollars. Uh, so yeah, uh, I it's only six new levels, but looks looks neat. Uh, this is a, a game that I would recommend for any fan of chill co-op games. Uh, if you're a fan of trying, it's kind of like a no-brainer. You pretty much know what to expect. There's low-stakes fantasy puzzles to be had for the whole family. Uh, if you're new to Trine and you've never like played a Trine game before, um, 
I mean, they're all good games to really hop in and try because they're all essentially the same game except like slightly improved upon the mechanics each time. Uh, there are some things that kind of remain the same uh, that I wanted to mention. Like one thing that made me weirdly nostalgic was the water physics. Uh, they they look like little like like water beads sort of rolling al along the ground, and it reminds me a lot of like Little Big Planet and when the like water physics were just starting to be implemented, and it was like a big deal. Uh, and those are in this game as well. Uh, so. Yeah, it, it it it's it's fun. I I think that you'll probably enjoy it if you just want something fun to play with a friend, and uh, not not super stressful. But maybe you can mess each other up and then work together, uh, sort of in the same couple of breaths. Uh, so working together, that that that's something that we all have to to do, right? Even even potentially in in the future even elon musk in his quest to mars yeah e even even elon yeah. musk relies on a foundation of hundreds of people and workers <laughs> controlling the vast reaches of space uh speaking of controlling space endless space 2 is our next game a game made by the wonderful amplitude studios and if you're familiar with their work they've also done endless legend and endless space and dungeon of the endless and coming soon, Humankind and Endless Dungeon. Uh, they are they are the pioneers of the Endless franchise, and this is like, it's 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 really good. <laughs> um, it doesn't end; it's endless. <laughs> this is a four times four X strategy game, uh, which our our wonderful savant will inform us again of the what the four Xs are. Editor Johnny- Oh god! Oh no, David! David, get out of here! Stop! No, I'm doing this one! The four X's are Explore, Expand, Exploit, and Exterminate. Explore, Expand... No, it's, just, it's in there already. I'll, the editor did it. Oh, okay, the editor's doing it. <laughs> I thought you were gonna do it live. <laughs> Uh, th th this game is, is if you're familiar with the 4X genre of games like Civilization, uh, in, in Civilization 2, and Civilization 3, and, uh, and Civilization 4, and Civilization 5, uh, and Civ 6, uh, the, you know, the whole 4X genre, all, all the games are in there. Uh, this is pretty much along lines of what you would expect from it. Uh, it's, it's not, the exploration is a little bit autonomous in this game. You you just right click, you know, you sit, click your ships and click auto explore, and they just kind of like they float out in the galaxy and look for other planets and people. Um, so so in that regard, it's it's very it's less involved. You're not necessarily making as many like planned movements in exploration, but your ships are just kind of doing it by themselves. But other than that, all the all the four X goodies are there. You're you're passing laws. You're managing resources. You're building up colonies on different planets and having them research different things or make settlers or continue to like expand your empire. Uh, you get like heroes that you can uh, command set to command either like your, your bases or your fleets and they either give bonuses to the fleets or increase like the resources or the favored factions or what have you on the planets. Uh, there's, there's a lot. There's like six different factions, uh, not factions, uh, 
political factions, I guess. Uh, so you can like you can build up through like science and technology, or environmentalism, or industrialism, or military, or you know the the classic like you have different routes you can build your civilization up in, and there's different win cons in all of them. One thing that I really like is that the win cons are kind of clearly defined. As you're putting your skills in your skill trees, you see there, like, in the center of the skill tree, there is the, like, the win objective, like, what you're going for in each of those skill trees, which is super nice. I, I think it clarifies sort of, like, how you actually advance a little clearer than some games do in the genre. Uh, there's... The, the branching paths are great there it feels it feels unique to go through like the military path versus the industrial or the science path or whatever they give you different access to things that get, open up the world in different ways which is really great uh yeah it, it it it's it's pretty traditional 4x uh the combat is is the combat was pretty cool uh it it plays sort of like a glorified rock paper scissors kind of um, but there's a little more depth to it than that. When you, when you engage in another fleet, it shows you what fleets are involved in the battle on both ends, uh, and your chance of success. And then you can go through and see different tabs of the fleet's strategies, like where they, where they excel on like areas of the board in communication or in, in da uh, damage or defense. And so then you're given like three different flight patterns for your fleet that you can select from. And so you select from the flight pattern that, you know, optimizes your fleet's offense and decreases their defense or uh, reduces their communication power but increases yours. So it, it's kind of cool in that regard. The story is what you'd expect from a 4X game. It's kind of like it, it's hit or miss. It's not really like you're going through this broad campaign. It's more like, hey, here's a couple dialogue prompts about your relation with this group or here's, you know, an intro cutscene about we must expand our galaxy through the world or whatever, you know. But other than that, it's pretty much just generic diplomacy dialogue prompts of like, hey, help our group out. No, help our gr group out. Yada yada, all that jazz. I'm gonna rouge my knees and roll my stockings down. <laughs> there were a lot of like moments in this game where I found myself wanting to know more. It, it seems like it 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 expects the player to already have some sort of knowledge about the sort of endless universe. They don't really explain much as you're within it, but it, you don't really need it. It's a 4X game. You're you're exploring, you're expanding, you're conquering, etc. Uh, so it, it's fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I, I want to know more about the Endless Universe after playing it, which I am definitely going to go back and play some of their other games. But the the average win takes about three hundred days, according to the to the dialogue prompt. So it it's you know like all these games, it's a hefty grind to win even one playthrough. You're you're more than likely going to be playing one game for several days. You're not going to sit down in one sitting for eight hours and just beat a playthrough. Um, but I I think it's good. <laughs> I think if you're you're looking for a break from the sort of historical forex perspective that like Civ gives. I, I just keep saying Civ because who fucking plays any other 4X game? <laughs> um. I mean, Civ is the one that we definitely have the most experience with, and God, I love Civ. 
Yeah. And so, like, if, if you're kind of tired of the, like, oh, historical, I don't give a shit about Earth, I don't want to interact with Cleopatra and Gandhi, like, then I, I think this is a nice break. Like, you get to go do space stuff with weird space people, and it, it still feels and plays in a manner that's very similar. So just to clarify, it uh, is sort of like a turn-based strategy game, then, with, like, a hex grid or something? Yes. Okay. Uh, so it's not a hex grid. The, the, that's like, there's no open grid. Okay. Uh, which is why I said like the exploration is a lot more automatic. Gotcha. Um, you're not actually like exploring hexes and stuff. Your ships are just kind of autopiloting through space to different areas. Uh, so it, it still plays in the almost exact same way though. You know, you need a ship in a certain system of planets in order to colonize any planets there. Uh, you have to build it like fleets are the only ships that can colonize. You have to build a fleet, which is, or like a, a settler, sorry. Uh, which, which, you know, same, same thing in, in Civ or whatever. You build settlers, you send them to unconquered land and you can conquer it. Uh, it, it's the exact same case, <laughs> but rather than a hex grid, you are on, uh, like, it's just planets with lines to each planet, and, like, moving to one planet takes, like, three moves or whatever. Um, so it's it's less open, you're more on sort of, like, confined linear paths to explore this universe. But the universe is randomly generated and everything, and there's some that are off paths that you have to get special abilities to travel, like, into open space to get to. Uh, it's, it's cool. I, I think... I think it does a really good job sort of diversifying from the 4X genre, but still really feeling and playing like the core genre still. Uh, and, and of note, the tutorial in this game is fantastic. That's a huge deal, actually. Yeah, that's something that I struggle a lot with with uh, these kinds of games, and it, it it is it is well done. It walks you through every little aspect, and it doesn't feel like patronizing. It feels good. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy the tutorial a lot. I think I think it's a good one to honestly, if you want to get into the 4X genre, it's a good one to get just for the tutorial so you can kind of learn the genre if you want to get into like some of the more advanced ones like Imperator Rome or something. I, I think I think it's really good. I think it's a lot of fun. I think uh, and and it's, I feel like it's a great way to sort of dip your toes into the endless world and universe and franchise. Uh, even though it doesn't explain a lot, it gives you enough kind of details that you're like, ooh, I want to know more. Ooh, I want to know more. And so it might lead you down a rabbit hole of exploring some endless lore. You know, really chronicling the adventures of this universe. Uh, You know, chronicles of a tale long, long told are much like the next title. Fuck, that was such a good segue, and I just fumbled it. I fumbled it so bad. I took that, like, uh, who was the one that fumbled the ball on the Super Bowl that I didn't watch? Was it, like, Brett Favre or somebody? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it. Peyton Manning, I'll put it in. <laughs> then I fumbled the ball, like, blank. So, uh, developed and published by Sega, the next game on the docket here is Valkyria Chronicles 4 Complete Edition. And by developed by Sega, I really mean their subsidiary, uh, Media.Vision. They're the developers, yeah, uh, they're the developers of Shining Resonance Refrain, who, uh, you know, we, we covered that game, uh, a couple months ago on the podcast, uh, They've also done games like Wild Arms, uh, Valkyria Chronicles 3, which was never released in America, and Revolution, uh, as well as many others. So this is a World War II-inspired squad tactics RPG. Uh, I got vibes that were very that very similar to like Fire Emblem and XCOM. Uh, 
in in the the squad management aspect of it, but it plays very differently than to than to like both of those. It, it's its own thing. Uh, so it has this storybook na- narrative device that it, it uses to tell the story. That's kind of where the Chronicles comes in. Uh, there's like a filter over the entire game, and if you watch some of the trailers, it can be like, "What's this?" <laughs> but honestly, when you're playing the game, you kind of forget about it. It, it. It's meant to stylize and make it feel like you're watching a moving war photo. Uh, yeah, it's really really cool. Uh, it's it's also just very anime. This is a very anime game. Uh, so so do be ready for that. But. Uh, in this game, you manage your squad of soldiers uh, in and off the field of battle. Uh, soldiers d- end up developing preferences uh, of who they like to work with based on uh, who they work with best before in, in battle. And um, each soldier sort of develops unique hidden attributes that reveal themselves through battle, such as, uh, for example, one character developed stage fright and was really afraid like to be sort of like the, the shining star, having like <laughs> everyone else rely on them. Uh, another character got competitive, uh, whenever he was near somebody else, uh, and so he would get, like, extra damage, uh, and a lot more stuff like that that kind of fleshes out both the personality of these characters and also adds an interesting gameplay element to it as well. That's really cool. Yeah, that, what I love about this game is that it really does tie together the personalities of these characters well with the actual game mechanics of it. Uh, and it sort of informs more about the, the characters as you play the combat, which is really cool. Uh, but you, you basically, the, the gameplay is just managing, uh, their equipment and special moves. Uh, it, it, this is off battle. Training specific types of troops and buying equipment for your troops, stuff like that. And then in battle, uh, you kind of switch between a top down tactical perspective and then an over the shoulder third person perspective. Uh, where headshots deal more damage, so, like, aim is a factor. Um, every movement and action that you take is sort of tracked, and you can only move or act so many times per turn. And in this game, turns are, are basically called combat points, which are regrettably abbreviated to CP. Get a better acronym, man. It doesn't work in English. <laughs> I feel like I do feel like CP has been used in a lot of games, though. I like feel currency like maybe, or... but like I think it's specifically Japanese games that do this and don't understand that it's like the FBI term for something much worse. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so each unit. Okay, so there's something unique about this game uh, that is different than like all of the other like sort of squad-based games that I've played. Uh, in most squad-based games like XCOM and Fire Emblem, uh, a character can only move once per turn, and then their movement and, and action is done, right? But because you have these combat points that you can use, uh, instead of, like, it, it's like a general resource for, like, your entire squad, so you can actually just have one or three individuals move and act several different times in a row with like reduced movement and ammo each time that they move depending on how many times that they were used and you can basically just like have some superstars fucking rush in do all the work and then clear a level and then a lot of the times i've seen some criticism of this game like that's the most optimal way to play the game but also just as a counter argument it allows for like 
suddenly like one heroic moment where like one person in the right spot at the right time breaks through and like kills five dudes and it's just like really awesome and it has like a fun storytelling moment so i'm a bit torn about it but uh, i feel like it's just fun for me right now so uh from really i'm not torn about it at all actually i think i'm mainly torn just looking at steam reviews and thinking is that how it's gonna be because i have six hours in this game and I, this game is, is a large, large video game that like will take you many hours to complete, you know, 70, 80 hour type game. And, uh, quite frankly, I didn't have that amount of time for this review. So I'm just kind of getting the, get, getting my little feet wet and, uh, and seeing what's up. Uh, but yeah. So in this game, uh, there are six main troops plus your commander, and each troop also gets like a grenade and a med kit that they can use, uh, with the exception of the tank. The tank is this massive, devastating weapon that can use to like, uh, take out uh, other tanks, or there's also like a mortar that you can use as like an anti-personnel weapon, uh, and then a machine gun when you run out of am like what ammo for all the other like main mortars, uh. And all of that ammo, like, restocks, essentially, like, when the turn officially ends and then the next turn progresses uh, and the enemies get their chance. Uh, so the other classes here are the Grenadier, who uh, launch explosives using a mortar. They are very vulnerable to attack and slow to move, but, like, extremely powerful uh, when utilized right. You just have to protect them. Uh, scouts are capable of a lot of movement per turn, uh, the most movement out of any troop, and their rifles are accurate, but they lack damage, so their best is, like, medics and point takers, just capturing stuff. Uh, shock troopers are specialists with anti-personnel equipment with, like, a really high-damaging SMG that's really good at close-quarters combat. And then engineers, uh, are... The only class who can repair the tank, they can do a lot of stuff that I didn't even realize, like reconstruct sandbags, raise ladders, resupply weapons, remove landmines, and revive allies in critical condition. Yeah, so they're pretty nice. Uh, and then Lancers are your anti-vehicle class. Uh, they have slow movement and a devastating rocket launcher that can do a high damage, and they're resistant to explosives. And finally... There are snipers who lack mobility and defense, but make up for it with, like, a really nice long-range attack and scope that can just, like, devastate the opponent if you place them in the right spot. Um, this game is, like, super, super approachable, really easy to pick up and put down. And I think part of that might be because of its really approachable gameplay loop that resembles the plot structure of what I would describe as sort of, like, either an anime or, like, a professional wrestling sort of deal. Uh, so cutscenes and character bits uh, sort of before a battle set up the stakes before each in mission. And so there's, like, a, a setup phase where there's a whole bunch of cutscenes, and you can do some, like, character management. And then there's a major fight. Then after that, uh, there's sort of, like, a cooldown period where they reflect on the fight, and uh then it sort of like sets up for the next fight and that's like so it sort of repeats itself so it's really easy to like pick up a game go for like one major fight or two major fights and then put down the game and you sort of rinse and repeat this whole cycle until the game is over uh they because this is the complete edition of the game it comes with all of the dlc that was released in the original title 
Uh, and I played through one of the earlier ones that allows you to basically have a training mission with the characters from the very first game, Valkyria Chronicles. And funnily enough, that is actually the only other game available on Steam for the series. Uh, it's only the first one and the fourth one, which is a little bit wild. Yeah. Uh, but they, they work totally fine uh, as their own separate entries. This game, like, this is, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but like, this totally, like, works fine on its own. Like, I, I jumped into this game and, like, no issues whatsoever getting the idea of what's going on, the general conflict, and, like, the characters are all brand new, so you don't have to worry about, like, uh, not knowing the previous characters. Only in this mission do they end up showing up. And it's like an extra side thing that you can do only if you want to, to get like some extra troops and stuff. Which is really cool. You actually get to use all of the characters from the original game in your squad. Uh, if you complete that mission. Yeah. So, uh, I totally love stuff like that. And, uh, if you're looking for like, bang for your buck, this game definitely has it. I would really recommend this game for fans of puzzle and tactics games, because uh, it, it does sort of have that puzzle element of like, okay, well, how do I utilize my troops in like the, the best possible moment right now in order to end this as quickly as possible? Um, so if you like, you know, XCOM and Fire Emblem, uh, then, you know, those games like really fun characters, uh, lots of scenarios and story content. Uh, but it somehow still feels lighter in tone. Maybe it's just because I'm early on in the game. But uh, it, it does feel lighter than a lot of those grittier games. Uh, even though it's all about like World War II combat and themes about fighting against fascism and stuff. Uh, so, you know, there's also a dog that you get to play as. It's like a Shiba Inu. I didn't mention him. But, yeah. <laughs> so, may maybe that just sells the game right there, huh? <laughs> I, th I think animals will sell just about any game, huh? Uh-huh. I think we have this sort of outward desire to project ourselves onto animals. Mm-hmm. Which sucks when we have to kill them and eat them for food. Just like in this next game, an outward. No, you don't. You don't. You don't kill animals and eat them for food. I mean, you can kill giant like chocobo chickens, but <laughs> yeah. Well, we did. We did do that a lot, huh? <laughs> this is a game from Nine Dots Studio, who has also done God Factory Wingman and Brand, which are two pretty obscure and small games that they worked on before this one. This is a exploration focused RPG. And it is great. It has it has a heavy focus on the like co-op integration. You can you can play with one other player, so two players total. But it's got great mod support, and one of the mods that we used uh, allowed us to play with up to twenty players. So we got a we got a whole three player squad in on it, and it was a lot of fun. I I do want to say that the game is clearly balanced for two players, and with three people, it got a little easy. But it seems like with two or one player, the game would be like right in that sweet spot of of difficult but not frustrating. It's it's a lot of fun. There's there's a a big focus on time in this game. Uh, like the very first quest you get, you have three in-game days to complete, and if you if you fail to do it, then there's consequences for not doing it in time. Uh, but and then apparently as you as you select your factions later on you the quests you get from them are timed as well so it it's got a really interesting use of in-game time and actually gives the quests and the world and what you're doing a little bit of agency by forcing you to have deadlines to complete things i i think it's a really 
interesting mechanic and it's a great way to also keep players focused especially in these big sort of open world games where you can get really easily lost <laughs> uh between that and the the map was the map was very large i mean we we played for what close to six hours and we yeah and we explored maybe like a third of the initial like starting zone um and that was with three of us kind of cranking through it so it, it, it's a it's a fairly large map there's uh there's a great magic system uh it, it plays a lot the game plays a lot like Dark Souls. Uh, you have like you have a, an ability bar that you can cast these certain abilities when they're when they're hot keyed. Uh, I think you get up to eight or nine. I think was the total size of the ability bar. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, and there's a, there's abilities for both uh, ranged, melee, uh, defense, and and magic. So you can you can sacrifice your physical stats to get points in magic, which then gives you access to spells like flamethrower or whatever. Uh, or you can spin points to spec in, like, one-handed axes or shields or anything like that. Uh, the game feels... It, it's really unique, and the skill system definitely ch seemed to change the way all three of us even played differently from each other. I went, like, full mage and was just blasting people with flamethrowers while uh, David over here went a whole different build. What, what, what'd you, what were you going with by the end there? Uh, you know, I honestly hadn't figured out the skill system too much. I hadn't really figured out much that I was able to, to use. It might have been because it was bugging out with three players, but I went with a sort of, like, big, <laughs> heavy shield and a mace, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, and I mean, we didn't have access to all the skills it had seemed because, you know, we, we didn't even get to the, to the second city. We were still fucking around in the first area. Um, and there were, there were quite a few little bugs, but most of that was because we were playing with like an, an unlicensed play with three players mod. <laughs> there's, you know, there's unique items that drop and, and unique loot, which is great. Like we, we had a mushroom shield that we could have kept, but we turned it in for a quest. Uh, and that had like a whole, you know, special set of abilities that it did. There's every item kind of felt unique other than like the generic, you know, here's sword to go sell sword for money. Um, they had a whole like alchemy and crafting system, which was a uh, really, really intricate, but not like overwhelming. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the sort of base features of this. One thing that this game does that a lot of RPGs don't is that like death wasn't a punishment in this game. It was an opportunity for storytelling. So anytime you die in this game, you don't die. You don't, like, have to reload. You don't respawn somewhere, you know, at, at like, a checkpoint or anything. When you die, uh, you get a prompt, and the prompt tells you what happens in the story while you die. So, like, maybe you black out and wake up in a pot of soup because a bunch of trolls were about to eat you. Or you, you, you go unconscious, and the people in the inner sanctum of the zone you were trying to get to found you and brought you there so you could recover. Like... Every time you die, something happens thematically and in the story, and it's not just like, oh, you're dead, bye, restart. It, it, it's really good. And and there were often times that I wanted to die just to kind of see what would happen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, 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 felt, it felt nice, and dying was fun in the game, which was super good. Uh, it's got great mod support, uh... I already talked about the difficulty. Oh, uh, another interesting mechanic that the game had was the backpack. And your backpack, it's an inventory management system and you have weight. Your backpack is filled with weight. And if you have your backpack on, obviously it's heavy. So it limits your mobility in combat. You can't dodge roll as easy. 
Uh, but you can just press a button to throw your backpack off, and then you have access to the mobility. So you'd find yourself oftentimes, like, judging the, the difficulty of a fight and whether or not it was worth taking your backpack off for. Uh, and then, like, you fight the fight with your agility, and then you can just go pick your backpack up and leave. I, this is the mechanic that is the reason why this game is two-player and the developers don't plan on making it more than two players. Because throwing three bags on the ground suddenly becomes a much larger challenge than just throwing two. <laughs> Every time there's a fight, it's like, oh god, I gotta go look for my shit. Oh shit, oh. <laughs> it can get very confusing trying to figure out whose backpack is who and like... <laughs> Um, I do want to say that even with three players, though, uh, which was one more than the recommended, which clearly breaks the balancing of the game, the boss fights were still, like, difficult and required tactic, and so I, I can only imagine how much fun and how uh, tricky they would actually be with two-player. It, it really does feel a lot like Dark Souls combat in the sense that, like, every fight you're sort of sizing up and deciding if you can take this or not, and what, you know, what special pizzazz do you have to put into this fight to take this enemy down. Uh, and the the story of this game has been really good so far. I mean, it, it just starts out, like, shitting on landlords, which is fucking great. Landlords are scum. <laughs> you, 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 you wake up washed up from the shore accident that was, that was partially caused by your father with, like, a blood debt on your, on your household for killing the people of the, of the village, and it's like, all right, cool, so you're gonna get evicted from your home unless you pay them, like, 200 silver. Cool, guys, cool, like, fuck you all. <laughs> Thanks. Um, the whole... <laughs> The whole tribe that you're in is built around a matriarchy, which is really nice to see, like, it, it, you know, they didn't go with the traditional patriarchy, and, like, there's a woman in charge, and, like, she immediately tells the town, like, guys, shut the fuck up, this guy's been through enough, like, give, give him some time, don't don't just murder him in the streets, uh, which is super cool. There, there's a little bit of empathy shown for your character at the beginning, not a, not a lot, but a little bit. Uh, still, landlords are bad. <laughs> um... And the the whole game it it has you working for your tribe paying off your blood debt from your from your father's negligence and as as you pay it off you get to you know you learn more about some of the different members of the tribe and why why they're like leaving or being exiled and uh you have to make a decision of who to side with like you've got you've got the the religious daughter of the the tribe leader who's, you know, going out on a sort of, uh, I don't want to say crusade because it, it's actually positive intent in which she's leaving. But from the sounds of it, the organization in which she's working for is very crusade-y. Uh, but her herself is like noble intent, like let's go out and help these scourged people of the lands. Uh, the 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 matriarch of the town offers to like adopt you and if you side with her and help her rebuild the town and forgive your blood debt. Uh, or then there's like the, the, the wild outcast who he, he himself has a massive blood debt and he's like, you know, fuck these conservative assholes. Like their backwards thinking is ruining society. I'm going to the big city. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get to <laughs> pick one of those people to side with and that's what advances the story later on. And I, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of great sort of like conversations in this game about sort of like liberal versus conservative ideology and, and what it means for like a society or a group of people to stick with certain ideas and traditions just because they're tradition versus like the progressing society in a, in a means that's more meaningful. I, I, I really liked some of the themes, themes that it was talking about. And what I got was having to deal with other people's shit. 
<laughs> Man, this guy fucked up, and now I have to deal with all his crap. <laughs> but you don't. He just he just takes a ship and sails away from his debt, baby. Yeah, what an asshole. And he's like, "Hey, if you can if you can get to me, we'll we'll, we'll team up and do some cool shit." <laughs> um. I I really I really enjoyed this game. I had a lot of fun playing it with David and I I think it's I think it's a fantastic game if you have a co-op partner to play it with. Uh it, it might be a little off-putting solo. I I could imagine it might be a little more difficult and maybe a little more tedious especially with like all the loot and inventory management even with 3 of us we were kind of overwhelmed with loot. Yeah, and also like I feel like with 3 people you don't notice how kind of jank the combat can be a little bit cuz like it takes a while for like each hit to sort of happen. It's not like Dark Souls where it's very responsive. It, it you sort of have like a longer animation and it's it's a little bit more deliberate. Yeah. It is. It really is. It, it feels just kind of clunky. Uh, so I, I could definitely see it getting frustrating with just one person. Um, but but even solo, I think, like, I mean, what else are you going to play right now? Skyrim for the fifth time? It's a it's a pretty solid RPG, if not a little clunky, because it's made by a smaller dev. Uh, but I, I think this one's definitely worth checking out, especially if you have a, a buddy to play. You know what I think would be a lot of fun? Just, like, inviting your friend over and playing for the night, because that'd be metal as fuck. Speaking of games that are metal as fuck, okay, there's a transition. <laughs> uh, this game is Valfaris. This game is developed by Steel Mantis. Was you just that, what a fucking heavy metal sounding developer That's name. That's a band, right? <laughs> yeah, that is a band name right there. That's what that is. Uh, they previously made another heavy metal inspired game called Slain Back from Hell, which recently got an update. Uh, that improved a lot of uh, complaints that a lot of people seem to have had with it uh, about like some of the gameplay feeling kind of stilted and uh, stuff like that. Uh, so this is a... Uh, also, I can't forget this. This is published by uh, Big Sugar. They also published a game called Unto the End. Now I'll start the review proper. This is a uh, heavy metal-infused sci-fi 2D action platformer. Uh, the combat I would describe as feeling very Contra-esque. You, you can only sort of fire in your cardinal directions, your verticals, your diagonals, and your horizontals. Uh, and there's a large and constantly evolving arsenal of weapons that you get to use and upgrade. Uh, it also has, like, this H.R. Giger-esque, like uh alien art direction with this badass heavy metal soundtrack that really gets your blood pumping it has this gorgeous pixel art that looks absolutely incredible in motion and like my favorite part about it is like when you cleave your way through hordes of enemies and it just feels so satisfying thanks to like every single click of a button leads to like a violent like slash like an entire enemy just like you know, cuts in half, they just explode all into tiny bits or burnt to a crisp within the press of a single button. It's just awesome. It's super cool. Uh, the gameplay, you use uh, three different sort of main weapon classes. There's the pistols that you start out with. Uh, there's the starter, which, like, splits with um, a little beam. Uh, there is a uh, plasma beam that, like, sort of fires out a little bit, sort of like a flamethrower. 
And then there is a longer range pistol that's like Vlad's sidearm or something like that. Uh, then for the swords that I've found, only two so far. There's like a beam sword that gets me back extra energy that I can use for the heavy weapon. And uh, a regular sword that just deals extra damage. Uh, it looks like in the trailer there's also like another whip type of melee weapon and that looks badass. Uh... So then the heavy weapons are super fun. Each one is really unique. Uh, there's the machine gun. Actually, I think the two that are probably the most similar are the machine gun and the rapid fire missile launcher. Uh, the only real difference between the two is that the missile launcher kind of fires a little slower and it, uh, tracks instead of, uh, just sort of firing out in a direction. Uh, then, there is my favorite weapon, the giant shotgun, which you can use to just obliterate enemies by walking up to them and then deleting them. And then there's like a flamethrower that you can use that I just found in this recent area that is really good for like waves of enemies. Uh, yeah. You also get a shield that can you, you can use to parry incoming attacks. So like just before an attack hits you, if you hold the shield button, uh, you can like hold the attack and then shoot it back at the enemy, which is really, really cool and it feels good, but it is also very strict with the timing. So it's sort of like Dark Souls in that you have to get really good at the timing and the, uh, identifying the sort of patterns of enemies if you want to progress through a lot of the game. Uh, other people have described it as Doom, but in indie 2D platformer, and I do think that that is a pretty apt description. Uh, just in terms of the heavy metal inspiration and the huge arsenal of weapons that you get to use and the level structure with secrets along the way that you can find just off a linear critical path. Um, there's lots of variety in these linear levels between like traversal segments, boss segments, uh, scripted segments with like cutscenes and dialogue uh, that <laughs> all just point to like how this is basically just like a moving heavy metal album. Uh, the saving and upgrade system is really unique in this game. Uh, it is cool because it's kind of tied together through a shared currency system. You can only save with these collectibles that you find throughout the levels that can be converted into materials that you use for upgrades. So if you want to, you can choose to not save at altars and then risk losing progress and so saving the, the consumable. Uh, and then you can use that to upgrade your tools later. And uh, it sort of reminds me of Shovel Knight in the way that you can sort of like risk progress uh, in order to gain more reward. It's a nice risk-reward system. Uh, the one thing that I will say is that as a reward for defeating bosses, you get m the ability to have more save crystals in your inventory. And I never had more than like two or three, so it never seemed like a worthwhile upgrade at all. Um, so there's that, especially if you're like, you know, like me and not very good at Contra style games and you're having to sort of bash <laughs> your head through every single challenge. Save at every save spot. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um, so speaking of which, I should probably transition into the difficulty of this game, which you can tell, uh, immediately just from like the high drop off rate in global achievements. Uh, there's like a 38% chance that you beat the first boss. You buy this game, you beat the first boss. From there, 27% for the second boss and 18% for the third. And then it kind of remains about the same until like the seventh and final boss, which is 14%. So it seems like if you get to around the 
third boss, you'll pretty much know if this is a game that you're going to want to play to the completion. Uh, for me, I got to around the second boss just before it, and there were like these two enemies right in the same room with each other that like previously I had a challenging fight trying to defeat one of them, and having two in the same room with each other was just like blowing my brain apart, and I couldn't figure out how to deal with it. And I, I just like had to end the stream there and switch to something else. <laughs> Because I couldn't, I couldn't focus on it. It's, it's the kind of game that you really have to devote like your full energy and attention to if you want to uh, succeed at. Uh, especially because like there's just a constant stream of enemies, and like <laughs> it, it, it's just endless. Like they just keep spawning, and it can be difficult to deal with that sometimes. There's an achievement. The very first one that you get is the get used to it achievement for dying. <laughs> like 93% of players have uh which i i don't know I, I think that's kind of funny uh a lot of this game though really is just slamming your head against that difficult brick wall until you finally learn all the patterns and conquer it uh the nitpicks that i have though are that like it's really hard to see your character sometimes in these fights uh where there's just like an excess amount of graphical explosions and gore and particle effects that that you know you lose your character you you lose the uh, particles that are the ones that are supposed to be hurting you versus the ones that are just like cool visual enhancements and so like watching this game in motion is awesome but playing it can feel really stressful and, and like knowing what is what is just is difficult at any given moment and also i, I th maybe this is just cuz i didn't grow up with contra but the aiming feels dated to me I wish that I could just aim in any direction instead of being confined to the cardinal directions. Because, like, there were times when, like, I was walking along a slightly horizontal slope and firing horizontal with my, my accurate pistol wouldn't shoot the enemy. And, and firing diagonally wouldn't shoot the enemy either. So, it, it, it was really difficult there. And, and also, when you shield, you can't move, which is good because, uh, like, it's kind of hard to aim in this game without also moving, because moving and aiming is time tied to the same button. Um, and so you kind of have to have a button to, like, stop you in place. But because it's also the shield button, that means that, like, any time that you want to be defensive, you have to kind of turtle up. And uh, you really have to, like, pick the moments when you want to defend very strategically. And because it's also a directional shield that, like, you can only shield in one direction at a time... Uh, that like if you shield an attack in front of you and there's an enemy behind you and they attack you then it, the shield doesn't even matter because it just hits you anyway so yeah it's it, it's pretty brutal Uh, but for fans of Contra style hardcore platformers I do think that this is a gem for those types of players I think it will turn away a lot of players because of the difficulty though like but by the second or third boss, like I said, you'll know whether or not this is the game you want to take all the way to the end. For me personally, uh, I was just happy to experience the sort of start of this game and all the different weapons and the heavy metal soundtrack. And uh, I'm kind of good. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the kind of game that I'll probably get the soundtrack for and I'll listen to it a lot. But I won't really, like, I'll probably, like, maybe watch a speedrunner play it and uh, watch them completely destroy it and break my mind, you know. But, uh, yeah, speaking... <laughs> I keep saying speaking. It's like the worst transition word ever, isn't it? 
Isn't speaking spe- of speak- speaking of spe- speaking of a game. Firstly, fir- secondly, firstly, secondly, and and lastly, uh, in conclusion, uh, I would like to state the Wild Eight, a game by Fantastic. <laughs> 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 that, that's, that's my that's my transition. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, they've also done Dead Doesn't Escape, Radiant One, and they'll also be releasing soon. TM. Uh, the the survival zombie game, the MMO, the day before, which kind of looks like The Division. Looks kind of cool. We'll see. This game is a top-down survival game. Uh, and it's, it's all based on... Uh, the game is up to eight players co-op, which is fucking incredible. All of the... Each player selects a, a different character. Each of the characters have different abilities and stats which sort of creates some uniqueness and variance between which character you decide to play. Uh, like, one of them has additional stamina, one of them finds additional wood and ore when gathering, one of them has reduced crafting costs, uh, all, all kinds of little things like that. So e- each character feels pretty unique and different. And this game is about you and your crew crash-landing on a frozen wasteland, and you just you just have to survive and find help. It's... It definitely feels balanced for eight players. It, it, we we found an abundance of resources playing this as two player. Like we ran out of almost nothing. <laughs> we had plenty of food, like too much food. We were just throwing food out into the wilderness because we couldn't. We we were so full on food. Yeah, uh, we have literally like hundreds of jars of peanut butter and canned foods that will never <laughs> perish, and like a ton of food and meat that is constantly cycling in. The rate at which they give you, like, wood and ore seems plenty to keep up with two players. I, I, it definitely feels balanced in the survival aspect around eight players. Uh, in the combat side of things, you can craft weapons and, and fight, like, you know, wildlife or different, like, little mini-bosses and stuff. Uh, on the combat side of things, with just two folks, it felt... It felt just right, like not too easy, not too difficult. So I, I don't know if the combat is scaled based on the number of players, but if the combat's not, if but if that's not the case, then like it, it's probably the combat's probably a little easy for eight players, even if it is scaled. I can't imagine it not being a little easy for eight players. The only thing that really balances it is adding friendly fire, because then you can't just have eight people crowding around a single wolf. Because then they're just going to hit each other like idiots. So you can turn on friendly fire. And if you're going to play with eight people, I would probably really recommend it just to kind of give that balance a little bit. <laughs> uh, but but two people, it really, it felt like the sweet spot for combat in this game. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it. It wasn't too difficult. It wasn't too easy. All of the the bosses, they were like little mini bosses kind of guys that we fought throughout. Uh, the, the the name, the, the main one namely being the, the werewolf and the yeti. Uh, they both had, like, unique ability sets, and the fights felt fresh and different from, like, just fighting a wolf or just fighting a bear or whatever. It, it was really interesting and a lot of fun to take on these sort of, like, named-ish NPCs in this world. Uh, the 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 game's premise, you know, you're going around gathering. There's there's a crafting table so you can make things as you go. You you make, you know, weapons, survival gear, bandages, all, all the jazz that you'd normally make in a sort of survival game. And the, the thing I really enjoyed about this game is that it sort of like, it, it, it made the focus survival. 
there there wasn't a larger like base building mechanic. You weren't trying to like build a world and survive in this world. Like you you can tell there is a purpose that you're here and you are just trying to survive to get out. And and the the game's core mechanics and loops are built around that. You your shelter and your workshop are your two main things that you build at and that you like sleep in and rest in and keeps you warm and whatnot. And the two of those can be propped up and taken down at like a moment's notice. So you can just pack up your shelter and just go into the wilderness and just start exploring. So you don't, you don't get punished for staying on the move. Like at the worst, you have to drop off some items in a chest. Maybe if you're being really hoardy about your resources, uh, but, but it's not, it, 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 even your shelter and your workshop both have upgradable up to like 12 slots of storage. So you never really run out of room to bring things with you. Uh, it, it, it feels really good in the fact that, like, the game really encourages you as players to always be moving, always be exploring and finding the next thing, and not getting, like, tied down in just, like, focusing on making a base and a survivor sh- survival shelter. Yeah, and there are a lot of, like, dynamic elements that sort of change how you play while the game is happening. Like, if a blizzard suddenly rolls in while you're playing... Uh, then, you know, maybe you'll suddenly have to throw down your campsite and, and, and like, a campfire and, and sort of, like, actually, like, huddle down for a little bit in order to, like, survive the oncoming, like, cold. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of times that if you're not careless, you will just die in this game. Uh, oh, yeah, I did that a ton. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that, like, um, oh, I'll yeah. just run back to my, my, my fucking lost gear with, like, my energy bar that they give me when you respawn, and I'll be fine. But no, every, almost every time I would end up dying because I didn't re- prepare to get my stuff. Yeah, it, it felt really good in that aspect, in that, like, the survival felt difficult but not punishing. Uh, and that brings us to the point that there, there are three main things they're managing. You're managing your health, you're managing your hunger, and you're managing your, your coldness, like how warm you are. Uh, and, and so, like, you've got to constantly be, eat- not constantly, the, you, you ate relatively, honestly, relatively normal to a normal schedule in the game time. Like, you, you had to eat probably about once every roughly eight hours of, of what would be a day in the game. So it, it was pretty well balanced in that. Uh, the, the cold was honestly the hardest thing to manage. And, and you get things like space heaters, you can always make a campfire, so it just it 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 benefits you as a player to make sure you're always carrying resources to keep your heat up uh there there were a few little bits of bugs that we ran into nothing crazy bad but like uh one of them almost ruined a quest for us because like an npc glitched under a uh uh a hatch like he he was supposed to walk out of it or spawn when we walked into the room, but we didn't trigger it. We had to end up like throwing some items into the hatch to get it to trigger. Threw a baseball bat <laughs> at this asshole's head in order to get him to come out of his hole. <laughs> so yeah, there were there were a couple little bugs, and there were some like latency, uh, like net issues. I I kept rubber banding a lot, which was frustrating but not terrible. Even if I complained about it a lot. I mean, like I don't know if that was my issue or the game's issue, to be honest. Yeah. But but the issues exist, so so that could just be a d- don't play with people with bad connection. It, it might just fuck up the netcode. <laughs> I I really really enjoyed the sort of world building of this game because they set up this island as like some weird fucking I I don't know if it's like the Bermuda Triangle or like 
just they're, they're, they're supernatural shit happening here and it's super cool because I want to find out more you find out like little bits and pieces through these letters that you read throughout like all of a sudden, in, in one of these labs, people turned into werewolves. In another lab, someone was trying to make a time machine. Uh, you, you find out that a ship just sort of manifested itself in the middle of this frozen wasteland. Like, the, the captain just woke up and they were here. So, there's a lot of, like, weird, paranormal kind of spooky stuff that's happening on this island. You don't really know what's going on. Uh, and, and so, like, every little bit, I'm just, I've been super excited to, like, find new areas to explore because we get another note that just, like, gives us a little bit of tidbit about this weird fucking island. Um, it, it all just feels like a little bit, little bits of the puzzle as you explore and wander around. So, I, I really enjoy the world and I, I'm kind of very invested in it and want to know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really want to finish this one as well with you. And it doesn't seem like it would take too much longer. That's one of the things that I actually really appreciate about this game. And like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not normally keen on these types of games. When I saw this game, I kind of rolled my eyes, uh, to be honest with you. Cause like crafting survival games, like there's millions of them. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but to have one that is so streamlined and so easy to get into and so like friendly, I guess. I I think what this game does is that like it it uses crafting and survival as a mechanic and not as the focus. I I just enjoy exploring this world and and like maintaining our little meager existence and and trying to expand out and 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 like find out what secrets there are in this world for us to explore it's fun mm -hmm. i i'm having a blast with this game i think it's great i think it it makes a great i i don't want to say like party game but like if you got a if you got a like core gaming group that all just kind of enjoys games like this would be a great fucking weekend thing to play with them like i i really enjoy this i i think it's a lot of fun i think even single player it's worth playing because the fucking story is weird so definitely worth it Definitely check this one out. Yeah. You know what I just realized? We managed to get through all of our reviews today without a single spoiler section. Yeah. Huh. No spoilers, baby. No spoiler spoilers. Spoiler-free episode. Hey, oh. Right, so somehow I guess I managed to like forget about this game during our main coverage of the podcast because I forgot to like copy paste in my information into the doc, but I'm just gonna do this real quick here. So the extra this month is super cute and you should play it. It's called Co Open. It's a humble pr bundle presents game. I, I think I don't know. It's not got like a strong developer or publisher attached. I'm pretty sure it's just humble bundle presents. But this is a game about a kid's first time buying groceries on their own. So you get to just explore and have fun looking around the shop. Every item in the shop is totally vegan friendly, which uh, I thought was kind of funny to notice. And there's a lot of interesting uh, kind of European products in there that are, are fun to uh, look around. It seems like it's sort of a vaguely European village, locally community-owned, operated store. So everyone kind of knows you uh, when you're walking around, and you can help people out when they're shopping. Uh, there's also these two other floors for uh, exploration, a sort of under, un, uh, underneath a large staircase, there's a, a very large cavern that has a bunch of people doing snow skating. You can talk with them and interact with them. 
and then you go uh, up this staircase, and then you can find uh, a big, huge lot with uh, an abandoned yard above a library. It's got a bunch of people hanging out up there. There's an apple orchard. And, uh, yeah, it's just a game about, like, really doing as much as you want to. You can literally just buy a couple of items, grab it, and then end the game there. And then uh, after, you know, uh, you choose what to buy and you go to the register, the game ends and uh, your grandmother comes and picks you up and you talk a little bit about your day and what happened and who you talked with and uh, what items you bought. And uh, either way, she pretty much <laughs> always says that she's proud of you. And it's super, super cute. Uh, it's the kind of game that you can play a couple of times over just to try to find all the little hidden secrets and things. There's a, uh, space entity in one of the vents that, uh, if you go and find him, then you can learn all about his secrets. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's all about just making memories. It's very child-friendly. Uh, I, I think that it is easy for anyone of any age really to enjoy, though. Uh, even though it is for sure probably intended for children. It's just a very pleasant experience with a lot of fun characters and uh, pleasant writing, and I think that you should try it. Oh, and uh, don't feed the cats. If you feed the cats, then they will grow large. Very large. So large that you can't maneuver around the store anymore. They kind of become inescapable masses of fluff you have been warned and that's it we're done yeah that's it what's your game of the month homie it's a good question uh i feel like if i put more time into it i might really say valkyria chronicles here because valkyria chronicles is really good and i like these types of squad management games you just have to put so much time into them and like time is not is the one thing that I just don't have a lot of right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that that's probably part of yeah. the reason why I gave it to Boomerang Foo last week as well, because like that's just the game that I can pop in and have fun with, you know? Uh I so this time I'm gonna have to give it to the Wild Eight, because I like a survival game that I can actually play and feel like I'm being challenged and then get to the end of it with a friend. That's fun. Hell yeah. Like, and it's not too long that I'm not going to not get to the end. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I like that a lot. Mine is, as much as I loved Wild 8 and Outward, mine's still Iris and the Giant. That game made me weak. <laughs> it's a good game, yo. Play it. What else have what we else, played, What though? else you been playing? Oh, oh, no, oh, 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 Discord, Discord, one one second delay, Discord. <laughs> uh, you played Gmod for Community Night last week? Yeah, uh, I played, and I forgot to mention this, uh, this was kind of a while ago, but I've been getting back into Guild Wars 2, man, and that is like a hyper fixation for me a little bit. Uh, I don't know how I didn't mention it last time. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some more Dead by Daylight. The new UI looks amazing. Ooh, yeah. And I also played a little bit of Final Fantasy fourteen with you as well on stream. That was fun. We forgot, we forgot to mention that as well. Uh, and then I played the Beginner's Guide last night, which was very, very good. 
Yeah, a lot of stuff to think about with that game. It's very good, I feel like, for people like us to play it. I I still stand by. It's not an analysis on critics. <laughs> I, I, I respect that, and I, I, I appreciate that, but <laughs> I have my own opinion. <laughs> you, won't, you won't make me bog down my own narrative. <laughs> <laughs> you stubborn son of a bitch. <laughs> this is my job. <laughs> oh god. It's about creators. <laughs> I hope you edit that whole playthrough because it was kind of magical. <laughs> I'm so excited too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh so is it still Gamerheads that's the charity for this month? Yep. Oh cool. Yeah, they're the tech training program that uses video game design development and DevOps to create Diverse talent and bold new voices to train youth of color and low-income students and for the tech ecosystem, prepare them for college, career, and civic life. This is the same one last time. Uh, so to to answer the uh, the question for what tabletop game would you want to see adapted into a video game, my answer for this is Betrayal at House on the Hill. While I don't really like it that much as a tabletop game anymore because I played so much of it, uh, I, I love the idea of, like, a hidden role asymmetrical game that sort of, like, develops off the mechanics of Betrayal, where, like, you're working together in a cooperative setting, and then all of a sudden someone is in, in, in a position of power to sort of influence and try to stop you that you thought was working with you. I, I love that idea as a game. That is a really good dynamic, isn't it? That you're cooperative until a point, uh, or, or potentially until the end. You just don't know for sure uh, until the betray happens. Yeah. Uh, and then the game that I really thought that would be fun to be adapted into a video game was a bit of a, a deep dig for me. Uh, back in my con days, I would play this game uh, in like the board game room, and I have no idea how to buy it now because it's completely unavailable. But it's called uh, Asmati Games Channel A, the anime pitch party game. And it was basically this card game where you could combine words and phrases uh, that were like anime themed in order to make an anime and characters and plot lines. And uh, I loved the whole party game aspect of it. And it was so perfect for, like, the con atmosphere where everyone was already, like, a huge fan of anime anyway that, like, I would love to recreate that sort of experience in a virtual virtual way. I don't know how, but it'd be cool. Uh, so, so a little bit of a, a, little bit of a, a, a jumping section here. Uh, we, we have spoilers for the next month's bundle. They, they did a, a blog post announcing what the game's next month will be early this month. So I don't know if this is going to be a continued thing. If so, we'll probably cover them. Uh, but otherwise, the months for March, the games for March are going to be Control, XCOM Chimera Squad, Elix, Ah, oh, I keep doing this. I keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay. I'll edit it out. So no, what I what I keep doing is I keep looking at at WWE and wanting to say World War E. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Not editing that one out. I'm not gonna edit that one out. That's too funny. Uh, so we have World War E 2K Battlegrounds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited for this new World War game. <laughs> Uh, Hot Shot Racing, Peaky Blinders Mastermind, Kingdom Two Crowns, Wildfire, Cyberhook, Pester Quest, Boreal Blade, and Ageless will all be the March games. Two two big standouts there to me are Wildfire, which is uh, oh, so excited. The, the, 
Yeah, that's the game that we got a demo of a while ago for the bundle, and it's like a co-op stealth environmental physics type game. Uh, I'm super excited for that. And then the other one, uh, which just struck me as odd, I guess, because it was sort of like, am I really going to have to review a Homestuck game in my professional <laughs> career as a game sort of reviewer? And I am. I'm going to have to talk about Homestuck. Pester Quest is going to be available. And uh, that's that's a, that's a Homestuck, I think it's like a fan official game. Uh, so it's like a visual novel. I, I don't know anything else other than that. So. I'm so ready to hear you talk about that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I want to add on to this that uh, if you're unaware, there are some changes starting next month with the Humble Choice. Uh, the way it's going to be now is it's going to release on the first Tuesday rather than the first Friday. Which, some months that means we're getting it earlier, some months that means we're getting a little bit later. Uh, and if you are an auto-renewer, that means your billing cycle is now going to be the Tuesday before the next month. So, so things change a little bit. Yeah. That's part of the reason why they re- probably revealed them early is because of how they're kind of changing the potential billing system where, like, you can charge yourself early mm-hmm. now. Well, it doesn't charge you early still. It doesn't? So, so no. So the billing cycle for March is going to be March 30th. Okay. It, it means, okay. It, yeah, they just, they just adjusted it to rather than billing the, the first, the, the Friday before the game's release, it's now the Tuesday before the game's release. For the for the following month, you get billed for the month before. Oh, that's when they okay. That makes more sense. So that yes. that's so like if you haven't been billed for if you haven't already bought the February bundle, that but you're means your billing cycle for this month was yesterday rather than this Friday, like it would have been. Okay, that actually explains a lot. Sorry, that 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 yeah. is good. Good clarification. It's a, it's a little confusing. So hopefully that that helps some people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah retroactive essentially you, you will not be billed early still which is good to know but you can still you can still bill yourself early if you want access to the games that month before the auto billing uh but that's that's our show man that that's that's our full our full show uh we got socials. socials uh come follow us on twitch and twitters twitter is is bundle bourgeoisie at at bundle bourgeoisie Gafocker and backstab is our Twitch. Go vi- go go watch and subscribe and cheer and jeer and maybe make us ban a word on Guff's channel. <laughs> uh we've got we've got our Discord, which is only available to our close and personal friends, if that gives you any kind of indication what might go on in our Discord. Mm-hmm. Wink wink. Games. Wink. Come come join our Discord, our close and personal friends. The link is in the description. Also, join our Steam group. That's a thing that we have. We do reviews of all of the games that we cover, uh, but just, like, really short, so you don't have to listen to us ramble for as long. Uh, also, we are we are Humble Partnered officially, uh, so that means we have a we have a partner link. Uh, it's in the description, so if you, if you buy anything from the Humble Store or you subscribe for Humble Choice or anything, uh, and you use the link in the description of these episodes, then we get a cut directly from the Humble Store, and it helps us pay for things like website hosting and hosting the podcast and, mm. and all that good jazz. I hear the father is gonna blow the blows. We, we can make money off of this, and we appreciate anyone who, who purchases from there very we much. Sp- we spend a lot of time playing these damn games. <laughs> All right, that's it. 
Hell yeah, that's it. Woo! Holler! Do we do we need to start like? Do, sh I got a sign up. We need a fucking sign up. We need a fucking sign up, dude. I mean, I can't just nip and holler. I can't just yeah. I can't just battle cry. Rambling that we can put after. Cause we've been doing the like after the after the tone, you know, secret ending credit shit. What, what, do, do we do we just we're on the socials now? What do we what do we do? We just like do some bit at the end and we put that in the afters? Or I don't understand. I don't think that. Is this the bit? Is this the bit that's in the end? I don't know. I don't even I don't even know the end. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, hi! I'm spaghetti. Kind of disgusted by Crazy C, uh, Bouncy Bob here. Uh, I'm here to promote my, my special new game that released on the Nintendo Switch, uh, Bouncy Bob 4D Revolution. It's the first game in 4D. So beginner's guide, right? There's there's that moment where you walk into the room and you see all of the game ideas floating in the room. I want to start recreating those. I want to I want to make Coda's games come to life. <laughs> all of his game ideas, every single one? Yeah. Yeah. What? I Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> beginner's guide fan games coming soon. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> oh shit, dog. All right. All right. I'm ending my recording. Yeah, I'm ending mine too.